Yeah, no, no one's joining the monks. Millennials, are you listening? We need to change. We need to change right now. More monks. Yeah, more monks. We need to be growing our own fucking corn. You gotta be driving a tractor. No, fuck that. You gotta be driving an ox with a goddamn with a goddamn plow. Yeah, y'all be- gotta become plowmen. Dig your own plow dugouts. the fields, not plow each the other. Plow the fields, not each. <laughs> To we talk about dead people, a podcast where we pick two dead people and talk about their lives. I'm your host Aaron C, and I'm here with my good friend and co-host James D. Say hi, James. You know what, Aaron? Before we begin, I got to get something off my chest. That's, okay. Uh, I've been thinking about it for a while, and it's really been bothering me. So it's about our generation. Ah, uh, yes. I think I know what you're gonna say. Yeah. Uh, so the millennials. The millennials. Generation X or whatever. Generation. Fuck face. Uh, Ugh, let me let me so get, bad. They they fucking suck. Okay. Let me give Tell you me some, why. some history. All right. Okay. What were we doing in the forties, America? What what were Americans doing in the forties? We were fighting a world war. We were kicking Axis butt. Yes. The Axis of evil. We were just annihilating them, dropping bombs, invading Europe, and freeing everyone. Amazing, right? Right. Great generation. Right. What were we doing in the 50s? Well, in the 50s, we were... Capitalists. Capitalists. We were making money. We were making babies. We were making money. Living in new neighborhoods. We had problems with communists. Yep. Korea. Invading Korea. Freeing the land of commies. What about the 60s? In the 60s, we got Vietnam. Ugh. And what were we doing there? Kicking commie ass again. That's right. What and why we- did we lose, James? It was the hippies, wasn't it? It's the fucking hippies. I was gonna get to hippies. That. Fucking entitled bastards with their fucking music and their fucking flowers in their hair and their fucking vehicles that look like cucumbers. Goddamn weed. In the seventies and eighties, we were still kicking commie bastards and the, the Cold War built in nuclear weapons. In the nineties, we were in Iraq and kicking Saddam's ass and free in Iraq, free in Iraq. And exactly, look, it worked. Yeah, and what are we doing now, Aaron? What are we doing now, James? We're sitting on our asses like a bunch of entitled scumbags, crying about whatever we want to cry about. Spinning our fidget spinners. Spinning our fidget spinners and fucking our siblings. So nowadays, we're just sitting on our asses, right? We are! We're worried about our safe spaces, our special fucking snowflake status. Yeah, I'm telling you, we've got we've got men and women going in the same bathroom together. Jesus Christ. It's crazy out there, man. I know, I know. Just America to wake up. We need to come back, America. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, this millennial generation is fucked. We need to kick more commie ass. We don't know how to work anymore. You know, we're all just lazy. We want to sit on our smartphones and we don't do real work. What happened to real men anyway? Look at this picture of these motherfuckers eating lunch on top of the goddamn Eiffel Tower. They're building in New York fucking city, you assholes. They, they don't even have any safety things on. Look at this forward I got from my grandma, you know, back in the day. A loaf of bread didn't even cost a penny, and nowadays it's like $300 for a fucking loaf of bread, and then you got Elon fucking Musk, the the fucking 
golden boy of the millennials who's making electric cars? How fucking un-American is that? I never heard of this shit. It's like living in the Soviet Union, It's Aaron. living in the Soviet Union, and our kids are all addicted to fucking Pokemon Go and bullshit like that. Yeah, Eastern conspiracy. You They're know, gonna melt our brains. Our kids should have jobs. They should be working in factories again. You know, our kids are getting soft, and our enemies are seeing that shit. You know what I'm saying? We need more war. Yeah, we need more war. And you know what? The internet needs to go away. Because it's just a cesspool of pornography and gay cocaine hookers. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, James? I just want to say as a millennial. Yeah? I am so sorry I bought a hoverboard. I am you did. I am so sorry that I went and watched another Transformers movie. Mm. I am so sorry that... You know what boys your age were doing 40 years ago? What were they doing? Landing on the fucking moon. Yeah, and what are we doing now? We can't even get a rocket off a fucking launch pad. We haven't even been to Mars yet. What the fuck is that? Anyway, millennials suck. And this is coming from a pair of millennials. So there you go. There you go, America. You're welcome. Anyway, after all of that, I just want to say, we hope to keep our listeners entertained and interested while we break down these characters from the odd and exciting family that is humanity. The way this works is that James and I will do our amateurish best to give a basic account of the major events in these people's lives and how they responded to them. We also hope to give a fairly accurate depiction of their individual character, which is harder to do, but we're going to try anyway. So James, who do we have for this week? This week we have Ferdinand Damara. And ah. Yemelin Pugachev. Pugachev. Yemel I see a Y in there. Is it Yemelian? Yemelian. Ye Yemelian. Yemelian. Pugachev. <laughs> we'll just call him Pugachev. <laughs> Pugachev, yep. That's easier. Pugachev. Yeah. Pugachev, like a pug from Soviet Russia. <laughs> Pugachev. <laughs> that sounds like if you made a video game where it was like cats were Americans and dogs were Soviet Russians and it was like an alternate history in 1980s and yeah. like the, the dog at the top is called Pugachev. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> And then President Kennedy, uh, or President Katnity, or something oh like that. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> President Kitney. Kittenby. Kidney? <laughs> Kidney? Uh, anyway, yeah, I'm really excited for this one, though. Now, these two are an interesting pair, and a lot less well-known than people like L. Ron Hubbard or Vlad the Impaler. Good! Obscurity can be a good thing. Yeah. And what do these people have in common? Jim? Well, they are both imposters! Awesome! Well, shall we hit the elevator and then hit the history lab so later on I can hit the club and then hit the floor? You dance? Nope, I just black out. Uh. <laughs> Two men, three men, four men, five men. How many men? We don't know. But we do know that there are at least two, both of them pretending to be many. Who are they? Ferdinand Waldo Damara and Yemelian Pugachev, two of the world's greatest imposters. Watch as they fool their fellow man into thinking they are who they are not. Will they be caught? Only time will tell. <sighs> well, it's not clean down here anymore. Yeah, sorry about that. Pickles and I had a party. Uh, what? And you didn't invite me? Well, you quit drinking, and we were doing drinking games. Oh, fuck! I never should have stopped drinking. Sorry. Could have at least gotten stoned or something. Uh, we don't have any weed. Is that what Pickles told you? Yeah. Jim, you damn fool, he's always got weed. He does? Yeah, he's a fucking junkie. Anyway, computer, bring up Ferdinand Damara and Yemelian Pugachev. 
Now, Aaron, what was Ferdinand Damaro best known for? Pretending to be a surgeon. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, but here's what he looks like. Okay. He looks fat and happy, like an Italian guy named Polly opened an Italian restaurant and ran a bakery next door. He's always pictured with a big smile and most of the time a giant cigar. Hmm. Genuinely looks like a happy dude, except for the pictures where he's in prison. Oh. He's not too happy in prison, oh. though, sir. So, tell us, what does Yamelian Pugachev look like? Pretending, or rather, <laughs> so tell us, James, what is Yamelian Pugachev best known for? Pretending to be a Russian monarch, 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 pretending to be a Russian monarch and leading the largest peasant rebellion in Russian history. Oh, goddamn! What did it look like? Well, uh, Aaron, I have a question for you. Okay. What do you get when you combine Davy Crockett, the Prophet Moses, and all of Russia? Oh, oh, I got this. Okay. A drunk freedom fighter who can do miracles. Uh, he can turn his dick into uh, a bottle of vodka, and his feet are gigantic. No. No, actually, definitely no. You're disturbed, you know that, right? Uh... Anyways, when you combine yes. those three things, you get Yamelian Inovich Pugachev. Ivanovich. Yes, Ivanovich. I need to keep pr correcting your you know, pronunciation. I'm like a second grade <sighs> teacher here. Yeah, yeah. No, it's pronounced bread, not briad, you idiot. <laughs> All right, let me get off of my high horse here. And how about this? How about we take a fucking break? Because guess what? What? The history lab is in hell because it's hot in here. Still. Yet again. For God's sake. All right. Get an air conditioner. We'll be back, everyone, and when we come back, we'll be talking about Ferdinand Mara's early life. Welcome back to We Talk About Dead People, and we are about to talk about Ferdinand Mara's early life, but first, I have a little something I want to say about millennials. Yeah? Yeah. We fucking suck, mm. you know? We don't want to work hot. Never mind, I'm not going to go there anymore. So, Ferdinand Mara was born in Lawrence, Massachusetts in 1921. He was the son of a projector operator at his brother's local theater. <laughs> uh, wait, well, his father was at his brother's local theater, was what I'm saying. But anyway, while it might not sound like much, the Damaras were reportedly happily wealthy <laughs> until the Great Depression, oh. when the family became very poor and had to move into a slum. Ah. Ferdinand was said to have been extremely interested in his family's Christian faith, mm. uh, especially regarding theology, and from a young age, he read fervently. Uh, when he was 16, he ran away from his life in the slums and went to Rhode Island to join the Cistercian monks. Is it Cistercian or Cistercian? I don't know. Cistercian. Cistercian. Yeah. Okay, I'll just say it like that. No, real quick. Okay. Again, another thing about millennials. Okay. Great Depression. Mm-hmm. If that happened now, we'd be fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Because those fuckers won't turn away from their phones. If their phones shut off, they die. It's a exactly. life support for those yeah. motherfuckers. Yeah, no one's joining the monks now. Yeah, no, no. one's joining the monks. Millennials, are you listening? We need to change. We need to change right now. More monks. Yeah, more monks. We need to be growing our own fucking corn. You got to be driving a tractor. No, fuck that. You got to be driving an ox with a goddamn with a goddamn plow. Yeah, y'all got to become plowmen. Dig your own plow the outs. fields, not plow each the other. Fields, not each. Now, the Cistercians are not kidding around with Christianity. No? No. These are a group of monks who believe in the importance of living simple lives, working manual labor as often as possible, wow. I'm looking at you millennials, uh, in solitude. Oh, cool. Right? In fact, Cistercians only have three reasons for speaking. Oh, geez. Functional communication, like, can you hand me that shovel so I can dig a dugout or yeah. something. Uh, spiritual, <laughs> <A> ex <duck> <laughs> spiritual exchange with one's superior, so if you're asking somebody where a Bible verse is, mm -hmm. or something. Uh, and spontaneous conversation only on special occasions. Yeah. Uh, so we would not qualify with 
any of these reasons. No, okay. no, no, no. The Cistercians generally get a reputation for having to take a vow of silence because ah. they are always so very quiet. Hmm. Um, but they don't actually take vows of silence. Uh, they just think about communication rather differently than we hmm. do. Okay. Yeah. They're also known for brewing excellent beer and Ooh. producing fresh bread and cheese. All of these products are considered to be some of the best in the world. So. Wow. Ferdinand was with these guys for a few years, uh, eating cheese and drinking beer, mm-hmm. uh, until he leaves and joins the army in 1941. Oh, I know that year. Yeah, 1941, when men were men. Not like now, when they're all pussies. Or something. I don't know. Yeah, tell me, were any of these soldiers wearing skinny jeans? No, they weren't wearing skinny jeans, James. I didn't mm-hmm. think so. No, sir. They weren't wearing Crocs, skinny jeans. They didn't have their goddamn hair all cut up into a mohawk. You know, the men weren't wearing fucking makeup and shit. It was so much better. We had segregation. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no way. <laughs> But he's only in the army for one year before he goes AWOL. Oh, yeah. Okay. The only thing he took was a comrade's name, Anthony Ignolia. So, disguised as Anthony, Ferdinand tries to join two more monasteries, but it doesn't work out. Hmm. So he joins the Navy <laughs> oh. <laughs> and trains as a okay. hospital corpsman, oh. or as Obama would say, corpsman. Oh. Thank you, Obama. He made many corpses. He, oh he was the corpsman. Jesus, that sounds like a great name for a hitman. Wouldn't that be badass <laughs> if Obama became a hitman and called himself the corpseman? No one would ever expect it. No, that's so awesome. I want to write a fanfic for him. <laughs> the corpseman. <laughs> I would probably get sued. <laughs> anyway, so... He took our jobs, now he'll take your life. <laughs> All right. He used to do it for the American people. Now he does it for the money or something. <laughs> anyway, when he was done training, uh, back to... To, uh, Ferdinand here. When he was done training as a hospital corpsman, uh, he was assigned to a lower position than what he wanted. Uh, so, what did he do? We'll find out when we come back to him. Uh, but now, let's talk about Yemelian Pugachev for a little bit. Let's do it. Yeah. So, Yemelian, you know, Ivanovich. Ivanovich I always forget that V. Pugachev was born in a Cossack settlement in the region of. Uh, Lord be with me. Zimoveskaya, Russia. Zimoveskaya. <laughs> I don't know. He was, born, uh, he was born to Kazakh parents and was the youngest of four children. Now, let me stop here to give a brief definition of Kazakhs. Great. So, there are kind of a million definitions of who these people were. They spanned political, ethnic, religious, and territorial lines. So, they're usually described for what they did. And what they did is this. Warfare and adventure. Yay! In fact, the word Kazakh comes from the Turkish word Kazakh. Which means free men and adventurers. Cool. So there were Kazakh communities all throughout Lower Russia, Turkey, and Ukraine. They're pretty important to Russian history. They also really liked sack races. You know why? Because sack. I've forgotten how to cry. <laughs> so Pugachev is born in one of these communities in 1742. He became a soldier at the age of 17 and married a nice Cossack girl a year later. Cool! He spent a lot of his early years fighting for the Russian army. He fought in the final years of the Seven Years' War, joined Russia's 19, or, 19, 1764 invasion of Poland, and in the first two years of the Russo-Turkish War of 1768-1774. to During his time as a soldier, he showed himself to be an outstanding soldier and rose to the Cossack rank of Koronzi. I think it's Koronshi. Man, you're crunchy, crunchy. Anyway, it's roughly equivalent to being a company commander, so pretty high up there. Mm. While on these various campaigns, 
Pugachev found that he enjoyed making great claims about himself. Mm. For example, during one siege, Pugachev told his comrades that his sword had been given to him by his godfather, Tsar Peter the Great of Russia. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> We've all done that. All done that. Uh, this practice of his will surely come in handy later. After all, this episode is about imposters. Well, that's great. And you know what? Mm. I want to take another break because it's hot. I want um, pasta now. Why? Just because of imposters. <laughs> And we are back to We Talk About Dead People, and Pickles is sitting right there. Just staring at us. Just staring. Hey, Pickles. You want to say hi? No? No, he's just going to lick himself. (laughs) The pervert. Uh, so anyway, when we left off uh, with Ferdinand de Mara, he had just re- well rejoined the f- military uh, in the form of uh, the Navy. Mm. Uh, and he had just finished his training in a Navy hospital uh, where he was assigned to a position he didn't want. So what's a man to do? Well, I don't know. Obviously, he faked his own death and borrowed another name. Oh. <laughs> Robert Linton French, who was apparently a religious psychologist. Uh, and then he went on to teach at Gannon College in Pennsylvania. <laughs> so he faked his transcripts <laughs> wow. and doctoral documents, oh, fooling everyone into believing he was actually a PhD. It's that easy. Yeah. He was there for a little while, teaching psychology, before he started working as an orderly <laughs> at a sanitarium. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm a professor and also an orderly. What are you going to do? <laughs> mm. So... He's also teaching at St. Martin's College. And how he's getting his paychecks, I don't know. Maybe in cash, under the table. Who knows? (laughs) Uh, At this point, though, the FBI caught him and sent him back to the Navy to be disciplined for going AWOL. He served 18 months for his crime. Wow. Yeah. But after his release, he didn't stop. Pickles, come on. What do you want, cat? (laughs) Meow. Okay. Uh, while he was, uh, let's see, after his release, he assumed another fake identity. Mm, of course. And studied law at night at Northeastern University. He's just trying to cover all the bases. I know, right? Yeah. Uh, he then joined another monastery, the Brothers of Christian in- Instruction. Brothers of Christian Instruction in Maine. Oh. <laughs> okay. uh, a Roman Catholic order, hmm. interestingly enough. Um, he's all over the board, you'll see. But uh, oh, okay. while he was carrying out this double life, he met another man named Joseph, I think it's Seer, uh, who was a doctor. And Damara was so impressed by Seer's medical knowledge that he decided to consume Seer's soul what? and become one with the Seer. <laughs> what? So Damara steals Seer's identity and oh. heads to New Brunswick, arriving oh. at the Canadian Royal Navy Recruiting Office. Here he is enlisted as Dr. Joseph Seer. He's got a thing for the Navy, doesn't he? Yeah, he really does want to be in the military. Because uh, many people. <laughs> but he always wants to go AWOL on them. Huh. So uh, anyway, so he found himself on a destroyer headed for Korea to fight in the Korean War. With the Canadian? Canadian Navy? With the Canadians. Oh. Yeah. Wow. They were involved. Who knew? Uh, Damara's official official position was trauma surgeon. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, now casualties are showing up on the destroyer, and he's the only trauma surgeon available. Yep. A fraudster is the only Whoa. surgeon available on the war front. And he's a fake. <laughs> yeah. And he's a fake. <laughs> okay. Uh, there's a report that he studied surgical techniques day and night. Wow. And if he found himself with a patient he didn't know how to fix, he'd disappear for a while. Speed read <laughs> medical textbooks. Return. <laughs> 
and perform the surgery. And get this, he what? was really, really good at it. <laughs> In one stunning event, he operated on and saved the lives of 16 wounded enemy soldiers. He ordered the Holy patients. Cow. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of them had like major chest damage or something, so he had to perform this incredible operation uh, on this person. So, wow. He would order the patients prepped. He would go to his room to study. He would come <laughs> back, and with the help of a lot of penicillin, <laughs> Demara saved every single Korean life in one day. Wow. Yeah. All of Korea saved by one man. No, just those 16. <laughs> so, uh, Damara was still working under the name Joseph Sear, mm -hmm. and his exploits hit the press with incredible magnitude. Uh -oh. So, so resounding were the reports of his success that the real Joseph Sear's mom <laughs> read about it in her local newspaper and reported Damara to the Canadian Navy. Oh, my. But get this. Damara was so believable as a doctor that the captain of Damara's destroyer didn't believe the report of Damara's fraud. Wow. Still, when he was returned to North America, he was discharged. Mm. But the Navy didn't press any charges. Yeah, imposter or not, he saved 16 Bro, lives. Right. He, did, mm -hmm. he did a good job. And that's what they saw. <laughs> so they sent him home to the U.S., and he continued assuming new identities. Well, of course he did. But this was a lot harder. Uh, because he was a lot more famous than he had been before. He was also becoming considerably overweight, which made <laughs> okay. him more conspicuous at that time. Because... Korean food is good. I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, that being being overweight was a lot more conspicuous at that time um, because being a bit pudgy back then was much more noticeable. We could go on an old, another millennial rant, but we let's... Not yeah, they're all pudgy. <laughs> they live in their mom's basement, you know, have their degree in women's studies or whatever. Uh, so he forged the credentials necessary to become a prison warden in Texas. Hmm. But this didn't last long because an inmate had <laughs> read Life magazine and recognized Damara as an imposter. Wow. So after this, Damara got on TV. He performed on a quiz show with Groucho Marx. <laughs> he also acted in a film called The Hypnotic Eye, where he played a surgeon. <laughs> uh, wow. In the 60s, he worked as a counselor in the Union Rescue Mission in L.A., which is a major private Christian homeless shelter on Skid Row. This is to say it's actually the largest homeless shelter in the United States. God. Yeah. So while working there, he earned a graduate certificate from Multnomah School of the Bible. Oh, so he, er he earned it this time. <laughs> yeah, he did. Okay, good uh, for him. In Portland and became a minister at a Baptist church in Gaston, Oregon. Yeah. Mm, he's kind of all over the board. No one <laughs> preaches like Gaston. Oh. No one proselytizes no. like Gaston. <laughs> so anyway, his congregation was absolutely crazy about him. Sure. Um, but rumors, I mean, they loved him. He was a really nice guy. Mm -hmm. But rumors about his old life abounded. Uh -oh. He eventually had to resign for a lot of parishioners thought it was another con. Mm. Sadly enough for him, he actually really liked working as a pastor and thought it was his calling. Oh. Yeah. He felt like that his whole life. I mean, he was joining uh -huh. monasteries and everything, but yeah. he had to leave this one. Uh, because people were suspicious of him. Mm. But his past caught up with him again while he was working as a chaplain at a hospital in Orange County, and he was nearly dismissed. Mm. However, he dodged the axe by simply being an excellent and active minister. He, this guy can do it all. I know. <laughs> so at this hospital, uh, no one knew much about his history, and so he could actually assume his own identity as a minister and settle in. In 1980, he delivered Steve McQueen's last rites. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Yeah, so wow. apparently he was really close friends with Steve McQueen. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So wow, uh, that guy. Hmm. Yeah. So enough about him. Tell us about Yamelyan Pugachev's adult life. All right. So when we last left Pugachev, he was rushing around fighting for the Russians. <laughs> they uh, rush in, they rush out. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Well, <laughs> it's going to make a Get sick? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Pugachev gets sick. Uh, so sick that he requested to leave the army and return home. But his superior officers begged him to stay, uh, but Pugachev refused. 
he then deserted oh, because they wouldn't no. let him leave. Yeah. Which, uh, a word of caution for our listeners, don't ever desert the Russian army. Mm-hmm. That's just a bad idea. Yep, bad idea. Don't desert him. No. So Pugachev is fleeing the Russian army as a deserter now. Mm. He joined a group of fleeing Cossacks who were also fed up and done with the Russian wars. After crossing the Don River, Pugachev left the fleeing Cossacks and returned back to home. Mm. However, a short while later, Russian authorities caught these Cossacks and got from them the location of the deserter Pugachev. Oh. So Pugachev is at home, doing whatever Russians do at home. I'll assume he was peeling potatoes and filming ridiculous dash cam videos. <laughs> when suddenly, oh, there's a loud pounding at the doorstep. Yes, who is it? I am busy peeling potatoes. It's the army of the Tsar. This time you've gone too far. A deserter has no place. Fight your enemies face to face. No! I'm done fighting for you. I want my freedom. I want my life back. And why are you speaking in crappy poetry? The questions are for you, not us. Now join our ranks, you must. We will not let you get away. Your debt to Russia you shall pay. Do I have to speak in poetry? It's... It's uh, not a requirement, but most of us do it. It's a team exercise. And with that, the Russian military arrested Pugachev for deserting. You're under arrest! <laughs> You're terrifying. Uh, but it didn't go so well for them. Pugachev escaped after only 48 hours of being detained. He escaped after only 48 hours! <laughs> <laughs> that was a little, a little German. <laughs> no. He escaped after only 48 hours of being detained! Nine, tell the fewer. <laughs> but now Pugachev was a fugitive, unable to return back home! <laughs> oh, God. Yes, so... <laughs> Pugachev was a fugitive, unable to return back home. So for the next three years, he traveled the wastes of Russia. For the next three years, he traveled the wastes of Russia. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to stop. (laughs) He joined a different Kazakh community where he pretended to be somebody else and was soon thereafter elected to be this community's official representative. When he was sent to St. Petersburg to make a formal complaint, though, his identity was found out and Pugachev was arrested once again. You're under arrest! (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) However, he managed to escape authorities for the second time and returned home. Damn it, he escaped the game! (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, But then he was caught and arrested for a third time. You're under arrest! While imprisoned, he managed to convince a guard to release him. Okay, I'll open door. <laughs> uh, which the guard did. <laughs> so Pugachev escaped and fled to Poland, where he stayed for a few months. During this time, Pugachev encountered a group of people known as the Old Believers. Nice. The Old Believers were followers of the ancient Russian Orthodox Church before it underwent reforms in the 17th century. They're also not too fond of the Russian monarchy. It appears this group had a profound influence on Pugachev. Around this time, he also heard that most of the Cossacks had tried to rebel against the Russian monarchy, but had been crushed. Seeing the plight of the Cossacks and the Old Believers, Pugachev decided to return to Russia to see if he could help these various peoples. Okay! So, Pugachev returned to Russia, where he was soon arrested once again and sent to Siberia. (laughs) You're under arrest! Send him to Siberia! (laughs) (laughs) However, along the way, he escaped yet again. What a a badass. (laughs) He's a badass. He escaped again. (laughs) 
He fled to the land. He, we can't do another Russian episode ever. No. <laughs> uh, so, Pugachev fled to the land east of the Volga and here began to gather some supporters. He promised that if people supported him, he would stop serfdom for the peasants. Great! Uh, which was apparently <laughs> still around in Russia. Oh, wow! Okay! <laughs> Uh, he would give the Cossacks more political autonomy, and he would reinstate the old believers' way of orthodoxy. Oh, okay. Oh, and he also claimed to be Tsar Peter the Third. Oh, uh, mm, now, yeah, uh, uh, yes. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Peter the Third. Peter the Third was Tsar of Russia for like nine months in 1762 before he was dethroned and imprisoned by his own wife, Catherine the Second of Russia, or Catherine the Great. Oh, poor Peter. Yeah, the marital issues, I guess. Mm. Uh, Peter then died in prison. <laughs> God. Most think he was assassinated by orders of his wife, Catherine, while others believe it may have been suicide. Wow. Either way, everybody believed Peter III to be dead and gone. But Pugachev bore a striking resemblance to Peter the Peter III and also rather enjoyed role-playing. Like me. Hit me up, ladies. <laughs> oh, again, so, I can't. Pugachev... So Pugachev claimed that he was Peter III who had escaped from prison and gathered his supporters to lead a rebellion. Ah, uh, a rebellion. Or if it were 2017, the resistance. Star Wars, why did you change it to resistance? I don't know. Disney's going to sue us. Never mind. <laughs> what followed was the largest peasant rebellion in Russian history, wow. usually called Pugachev's Rebellion. Wow. Because <laughs> it was his. <laughs> Thousands of people joined Pugachev's Rebellion, and he was able to conquer much of Russia, defeat several Russian armies, and sack several important cities as well. Mm. During the rebellion, though, Pugachev ordered that his troops not harm any peasants or innocents. Wow. Only the Russian loyalists and soldiers were harmed. One example of this was during the Battle of Kazan, in which all the inhabitants of the city were carefully escorted by the rebels to safety. Because of actions like this, Pugachev is often seen as a kind of Robin Hood figure. A fake Robin Hood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, for some time, Catherine the Great of Russia failed to take this rebellion seriously. Rebellions were fairly common in Russia, and they were also almost, almost crushed. We're almost, also, almost, almost. <laughs> God damn. They were man. almost always crushed easily. Ah. However, with more and more noble families fleeing to Moscow, Catherine eventually realized that Pugachev had to be stopped. She sent General Peter Panin. Not Panini. <laughs> and not Peter Pan. Uh, to deal with the rebels. However, Panin's army was ill-trained, ill-equipped, ill-paid, ill-disciplined, and ill-supplied. And ill. <laughs> Basically, they're a normal Russian army. They're going to be sued by the Russian army. Yep. <laughs> On the contrary, Pugachev's rebel army actually had cannons, tons of rifles, thousands of angry Cossack warriors, and the support of the people. Wow. Unsurprisingly, Panin's army was unable to defeat Pugachev, and the rebellion continued. But all this time, he's pretending he is Tsar Peter the Third. Wow. Well, that's uh, that's pretty impressive that he was able to get that far, honestly. Oh. Yeah. Well, hey, let's go back to uh, Ferdinand tomorrow and see what he's doing. Let's do it. Yeah. So we left Ferdinand. He was working in a hospital in Orange County as a chaplain. Okay. Here he would remain until his death. Oh. In 1980, wow. he had to stop working because his health was so bad. Oh. But the hospital owners allowed him to live there until he died in 1982. Oh, jeez. He that's... had diabetes. Bad. Ooh. Both of his legs had to be removed, but he died during the surgery. Oh, God. I know. That's so abrupt. I know. But, hey, he died doing what he loved. <laughs> and he helped a lot of people, I yeah, guess. So. He did. He did help a lot of people. I mean, really, as a fraudster, what did he do? He saved lives. He saved lives. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean... I guess that's the best kind of fraudster, I suppose. <laughs> I um, guess. So, yeah. Well, with that short aside, we should return to Yamelian Pugachev. Yep. Uh, so, for back in Pugachev's world, the <laughs> world of Russia. So, for a few good... Uh, I can't. <laughs> 
So for a good few months, Pugachev, pretending to be Tsar Peter III and his rebel forces, won victory over the Russian army again and again. Wow. Feeling the angry breath of rebellion down her back, Catherine sent General Ugh. Michelson <laughs> with another Russian army to deal with this rebel scum. Michelson did much better and crushed, Pug- crushed Pugachev's rebellion. Oh. About 10,000 rebels were slaughtered, but Pugachev managed to escape. However, the next month, some of Pugachev's own Cossacks betrayed him and handed him over to the Russian Damn army. Damn it, Cossacks. Yeah, you're doing so well. Mm. Pugachev uh, was paraded throughout Moscow in a Russian cage. A Russian... Okay. I can't read. I can't write. That's supposed to be an iron cage, not a Russian Why would you cage. Say a Russian? I was going to ask, what the fuck is a Russian cage? Is that like some torture device or some it's, shit? It's an iron cage. Well, it was a Russian cage, but it yeah. was also an iron Russian cage. We're also not reading from a script. No, we're this not reading is, from a script. This is all, this is all, all, com- no- all our com- knowledge. Yeah, we yeah. know this shit so well. Mm-hmm. So he was paraded throughout Moscow and in iron cage mm-hmm. and shown to the people that he was not actually Peter III back from escaping prison. Oh. On January 21st, 1775, Yemalyan Pugachev was beheaded publicly in Moscow. Damn. His body was then drawn and quartered. Ugh. Unfortunately, the rebellion greatly shook Catherine and her government. She had planned to carry out certain reforms that would help the lower classes of Russia. However, after seeing how quickly they were to join Pugachev's rebellion, she decided to keep them in serfdom. Oh, come on! Uh, however, Pugachev is still often seen as a Russian hero, and there are a number of towns and streets in Russia named after him. Well, but I guess at least that. So, uh, again, like, he cared for the lower classes, cared for the poor and the peasants and the wow. old priests. I mean, so we've got two imposters who really weren't that bad. No, they were... They were fine, I yeah, guess. They were okay. I mean, it depends on how you see the a Russian revolt, whether that's good or not. But well, that's true. <laughs> yeah, if you see it as good, okay, he's a good guy. If you see it as bad, he's pretty bad. <laughs> he's He claimed to be a czar. And when is Russia not rebelling, though? Um, World War II. <laughs> uh, whatever. Um, well, you know, I think that was one of our most interesting episodes. Yeah, seriously, imposters are fascinating. Yeah, I agree. Just think about all the great things we can get away with with fraud, robbery, murder, arson, surgery, infidelity. Ah, <laughs> oh, God. If only I'd have thought to pose as a jockey, I could be riding horses all day. You're way too big for that. You call me fat! No, but if I was, it would be just what you deserve. You called me fat all the way through high school. No, I didn't! Allow me to remind you. Ha ha, James is fat! No, I'm not. I'm just big bones. You're just a big boner? Is that what you said, James? No, that's not what I... Hey, everyone! James is a big boner! No! Big boner! Big boner! Big boner! And that's how I got the nickname, Big Boner. Oh, and that's a bad thing? Yes, it's a bad thing. Dude, with a nickname like that, you should be thanking me. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) You go fuck yourself, you big boner! Well, it may be a short episode, James, but, you know, we are short men. And we are millennials. We are millennials. (laughs) We're so lazy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, hey, you know, we worked our asses off for for the last one, you know. L. Ron Hubbard was extensive. So long. (laughs) He was not a short man. (laughs) No. And definitely not a millennial, you know. He fought in World War II. Greatest generation. Not a millennial. That's true. Better times, man. Better times. But uh, I think it's time to bring the show to an end for today. Uh, feel free to send all your hate mail to We Talk About Dead People Podcast at gmail.com. We will read all of it and 
not along. If you hate us, you're probably right. If you like us, though, please consider funding the show by becoming a patron on Patreon.com. That's Patreon.com slash We Talk About Dead People. Even as little as a dollar. As much as it costs to buy your snotty kid that chocolate bar at the checkout helps tremendously. With all that being said, we'll close out and let the sweet sounds of nature play you out. Close your eyes. Come with me into a lighter world where you are uprooted from your daily life. Feel your eyes close over top of your eyeballs. Feel the emptiness in your eye sockets. Feel the emptiness in your ear canal. Meditate on the emptiness inside your head surrounding your brain. Now, come with me. Listen to the sound of your footsteps as you walk through the woods. Listen closely to the sound of your breathing, lunch digesting in your stomach, the blood rushing through your veins. Alas, look, there is a deer on the horizon. Do you see its eyes too? Can you feel the hollowness inside of its skull? It is stupider than you. Which means that the abyss is greater within this dumb creature. Look, beyond. Do you see the five-legged elephant? Do you smell its awful stench? Focus with me on the sounds that it makes as it bathes its own back with a brush made of horsehair. Listen to its graceful call for a mate, as we all listen to a graceful call for our mate. Listen again closely as the elephant calls for its help meet. Now focus with me beyond to the sparrows far beyond the horizon, and think to yourself how small their brains must be to fit their tiny, tiny bodies. Think with me, also, how empty their heads must be, the void therein on which you could meditate for several lifetimes. Feel with me the tingling in your feet as you walk over top a carpet of stinging jellyfish. Swim with me in the depths of the void. Let go of all your feelings. Now listen closely as your heart beats ever slower as you what? sink deeper into... What, what the fuck, Aaron? What? We're done with the podcast. This episode was over a long time ago. Well, look, I, I want to just... Our listeners need to be brought to a meditative state. You're not state. allowed down here alone. We, d- you know that. Uh, hey. We set ground rules, goddammit. But, James, come on. We're so close to complete relaxation. Nope. We're ending the episode right now. You here. are feeling your sp- Spirit, relax fully. You sink further into the abyss. No. Uh, Come on.